kind of take a deep breath together and uh, that's not bad. We'll take a deep breath together and uh, kind of get a moment of quiet. If you were at the women's retreat this weekend in that moment of quiet, you do have my permission to fall asleep for a second. Um, I'll wake you back up in a second, but uh, I know a lot of you are tired. Thank you for being here today. Lots of stuff going on around here, lots of health issues, a lot of life things, and um, just want to give you a chance today to get your, get your heart right a little bit, get your life right. Um, I want to let you know that there's a lot of you today here for a lot of different reasons. Um, we have a lot of people listening online. If you're listening online, your next step may be to come over here um, and check this thing out with us because it's a lot different when you're here. Um, it's even better. But um, I want to let you know a little bit about uh, who we are here um, at New Life. We've got a lot of people visiting with us today. Um, what we intend to be here is a, a place for you to take a deep breath. And for you to get some perspective on who God is. You wouldn't believe how many people that are sitting with you today in these pews um, and that are listening online. We have a lot of people listening online. How many people aren't even sure they believe in God yet um, that are, are listening or are here with us today? And what, what you need to know if you're in that category, if you're kind of kicking the tires on this thing, um, you need to know that God's not scared of your doubts. He's not scared of you kicking the tires. He, he's not. Um, in fact, what he wants most from you is just the honesty and the... The, that moment of connection with him. And so whatever you're feeling today, I want to take the pressure off of you um, because what you need is perspective. That's really what you need. And um, the reason we've came today is to get some of that um, and to get a word from God. So we do this every week at this time. Um, in fact, I think sometimes I, when I'm praying for you during the week, I think this may be the best thing that, that can happen on a Sunday morning is what we're about to do. And that is this quiet moment. It's usually like 25 to 30 seconds where we just stop. You didn't know it was going to happen, so you weren't prepared for it. You didn't bring anything to do in that 30 seconds. Um, and I, it, whatever you've got going on, if you've got a bulletin in your hand or if you've got something that you're writing on, no problem during the sermon. But I'd like to ask you for this 30 seconds. And if you're, if you're in the car, don't close your eyes. But, but do something right now in this 30 seconds that you maybe haven't done this week. And that is just stop. Stop all of it. I often talk about what, what if you had a remote control for your life? And, and you could just hit pause, just for a moment. I believe that's the way we get connected to God. God says all over the Bible, he says it, and I've found this to be true in my life, that he does not yell into our lives. He could. He could speak really loudly, scare you to death, make you wreck your car if you're listening, or make you wreck your life, scared to death of what you hear from God. But he chooses to speak in what the Bible calls a still, small voice. It's a little voice. Not because he's a little thing, but because he wants you to turn all the stuff down in your life. So if you can hit the pause button this morning and turn down the volume all at the same time, and we will uh, get a moment of perspective this morning. So I'm going to give you that 30 seconds. You'll hear some noise around here. Um, we got kids all over the building, and we love it that way. But if you can find this moment um, just to get quiet, and then uh, we'll get going this morning. God, right now, whatever we brought in with us, whatever pain, whatever doubt, whatever frustration, 
We just pray that you would quiet us right here. And whatever you got, would you give us a different sense of our life and what we're supposed to be doing and who we are? God, we all brought something else to this church today. And would you just stop us where we are, speak into our lives, and we'll listen and we'll act. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. So I'm starting a new series today called Truth Is. Um, And I don't know if you've ever heard anybody start a sentence like this, but it happens all the time. It usually happens in the midst of a conversation or in the middle of a night. Maybe women, the women that went on the retreat this week heard it this week. But what, what you might hear is something like this. Somebody sits around a campfire and they say, you know what, people think of me as somebody who has my act together, but the truth is blah, 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 right? People think of me as a faithful husband, but the truth is, Ashley Madison, People think of me as somebody who believes in God and who is a Christian, but the truth is, I haven't really believed for a long time, I just go through the motions. I I don't know what it is for you, but what I've found out in my life is when people say this, it's usually hard, it's usually a moment of pain, followed by a moment of absolute clarity and a new opportunity for life. So in in the nine years or so that I've been at this church, I've done a lot of grace, I've done a lot of talking about love and peace and joy, and those are the things I choose to talk about in my life. But the truth is, (laughs) I love you guys too much to miss out on some of the truths in our lives. Some of the things that have to be said in our lives to get us from where we are to where our hearts want us to be. Uh, It reminds me, I've been hanging out a lot um, in the woods and around the water with my son. I grew up that way, and I want him to grow up that way. It was a great thing for me, and it's kind of the way that I know to help him learn about God and to get some peace in his life. And recently, we, every time we're around water, he starts to see the wildlife. And recently, we were around this little creek, and uh, we saw some ducks in this, in this creek. And we saw a whole bunch of ducks, and, and I, I've seen ducks long enough that I, I know how ducks work. They look like, on the surface, that they're, they're smooth, and they're laid back, and they're easy. But underneath... Man, their little flappers are going like crazy, right? And, and, and Reese can look at them and go, man, those things just look awesome. And he goes, yeah, you don't know, understand how hard they're working underneath. Now, some of them are going with the stream in a creek. If you've ever seen a duck who, you've you got pond ducks and you've got lake ducks. Creek ducks are totally different animal. For one thing, they've got to move. They've got to move fast. And smart creek ducks will find the flow of the water and will allow the flow of the water to lead them to the things that they eat, to the places they want to go. And they, rather than just paddling like crazy underneath, they're just flapping those right ones so they can go that way a little bit and flapping. And they have learned that there is a flow to the creek. And in this flow, if they choose to go with the flow, then there is just this different sort of a way that they can live their life. And they just sort of move where it goes. And then every now and then you see a pond duck who thinks he's a creek duck. And he's in the pond, and he's going the wrong way. And it's like he's on a treadmill, paddling those little flappers as fast as he can go, and working way too hard. And you almost see the ducks go by and go, quack, quack, that kid's an idiot, you know? You know? And, and Reese and I have had those conversations lately where we'll see this duck, and he just gets worn out. And finally, he just lets go, and the creek takes him, and he goes backwards, and he flips over, and the other ducks sort of laugh at him, and we laugh. And, 
And there's this, there's this sense that as I think about our lives, man, I have weird illustrations, but <laughs> as I think about our lives and, and the people in my life and my own life in general, when it comes to the way I do life, I think God would like to say to you, you know there's a stream of life, there's a creek, there is a, a way that the water flows, there's a way that God built everything. And if you can be the kind of creek duck, if you can be the kind of human that finds what God is already doing, the way God has built things, and follow it. If you can just follow the stream that God has set for your life, you won't believe the difference. But instead, many of us have chosen our own upstream path. Some of us are proud of that. Well, I don't. I don't do the way, things my dad used to do, and I don't. And some reasons that's a good idea, but when it comes to God, some of us have decided that we don't want God's way in our life. We want to go upstream, and we're going to paddle and paddle and paddle. And what I see is you paddle and paddle and paddle until you just can't paddle anymore, and then your whole life turns upside down, and you end up dunked, and some drown. So if you can follow that illustration today. <laughs> As we go through this Truth Is series, what, what, when we talk about truth, what, what I want to talk about is very, very clear. And I want to be clear about what I believe truth is. Truth is not that thing that, that you love to tell somebody that puts them in their place. That's not what truth is. Truth is not that thing that you get to be when everybody else is doing something wrong. That's not what truth is. Truth is the way things are. It's the stream, life. It's the way things, the, the, the way God built things. Truth is the way things are at their very essence. And when we take truth into our lives, it changes who we are. You're going to see what I mean as we go through this series. There's a guy named John who wrote about Jesus, the man. And he, he knew him really well. And at the end of his life, people started saying, hey, you, you're like one of the last guys alive who knew Jesus while he was on the earth. Would you start writing about him? So he wrote some things. And when he wrote about him, he said, the Word, and he uses a capital W, he talked about Jesus as the Word. And the idea is he was the thing that spoke into our lives. The Word became flesh. It was like he set up a tent with us. And he dwelt among us. And then John stops for a minute. He says, we have seen his glory. The word glory is not a word we use um, every day. But the word glory in this case just means we have seen that he is different. We have seen that this man, Jesus, had a different way of doing life. It was like we were, we were ducks paddling upstream, and this man understood the way the, the world worked and the way the current flowed. We have seen his glory. Now, when, when John says we, he means those of us who were with him, the, the few of us who got this chance. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. And then here's what I'm kind of hanging on. He was full of two things. And if I had a big pitcher up here, I would, I would kind of pour two things into a pitcher, but I would spill it, I know, and then the illustration would get really ruined. But the idea is that <clears throat> John says Jesus was like 100% full of grace. And I love that part of Jesus. I love that part of me. I love that part of the humans that I know who can look at a child who has done something wrong and see grace. I love that story that, you know, is on Oprah or that's on the latest Hallmark Channel movie or whatever it is where there is grace and where somebody says, it's okay, I know you did this wrong, but it's okay. I love that part. But then he says 100% Jesus was like that, but also 100% he was truth. So he never met somebody where he said, you know what, you just be how you want to be. You know what, you're, he always said you're okay the way you are. It's okay to not be okay. But then he always finished it with, but it's not okay to stay that way. It's okay, you're okay. So if you're here today, you need to know, 
What God wants from you is to come as you are. You don't have to be anything different than you are today to come to God. You don't. And we're working hard at New Life to let you know you don't have to be anything different than you are to be in this building and to be at this place and to be engaged in this church. But God loves you and we love you way too much to not help you with the truth, to not help you categorically find those places where you're paddling upstream in your life. So as we go through that in this series, I want to let you know of some of the things we're going to talk about. And if you're visiting with us, this will let you know if you want to come back uh, for the next few weeks. No, we want you back. I promise this will be good for you. But this might sound a little bit harsh. And you know what's interesting to me is when I talk about these hard things, um, our attendance goes up. It's an amazing thing. I'm not sure why. Um, But the truth is, I want to tell you today that that sin, which I want you to see today is sin, is, is paddling upstream. It's doing things different than what God has you for. Now, what you might think of sin, because Christians have done this and religious people have done this to our world, they've made sin this thing that is just something you've done wrong. Sin is you doing something wrong. But the way the Bible talks about sin and the way that I've in my life found that the the best representation of sin is sin is going the wrong direction. Sin is, is God is saying, hey, the world and life works like this and you're going like this. You've missed out. In fact, one of the things the Bible says, we're going to look at it this morning, is that sin, this going the wrong direction, is like slavery. And that, that's, a, that's a harsh thing to say, especially as a, as a man of my color and of my privilege in my life. Uh, I shouldn't be talking about slavery much, so I'm going to read it to you this morning straight from the Bible. Because I don't really know what it's like to be a slave, a physical slave in chains, and I don't really have any connotation to that, but I do know what it's like to be a slave to living in a way that doesn't make sense in the world. Living in a way where I get up in the morning and I think, who am I and what am I and how is this? We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Truth is, sin is like slavery. The truth is, distorted sex blocks peace. We're going to talk about that in this sermon series over the next few weeks. It's funny, when I I say the word sex um, to adults, there's this moment of like, "Uh uh-oh. And I always think when I preach a sermon on sex, that it's going to be like the lowest attendance, and it's only going to be, you know, uh, the few people that we have. And I say some really hard things. Some of you know exactly what I'm going to be, say about sex, and you hate what I'm going to say about sex, and you will be here anyway, because there is something that we all know if we aren't thinking about sex in the right way, and if we are engaging in a distorted view of sex, something isn't right with us, and we know it deep in who we are. And so we want to hear it. You're going to hear it, and I'm going to say it strong and proud. I'm not going to say it today. I'm not ready for that yet. But I'm going to say it over the next couple weeks. You're going to hear it. Um, Because distorted sex blocks peace in our life. Lies kill relationships. They stunt the growth of relationships to the point where it will eventually die. We're going to talk about that. If you've got a problem with lying, and if you're a really good liar, some of you are so good that nobody could catch you. The only people that knows is you and God, how good you really are at lying. That, at least that's what you think, because people around you already have figured it out. They just don't talk about it. But that, if, if you've got a problem with lying, and you know it deep into who you are, don't miss the sermon series. There is a way out. And when you get out, it will change who you are. It will lead you to that kind of peace you're looking for. Overindulgence breeds selfishness. 
I don't know what kind of overindulgence you're in, but the truth is overindulgence, whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, whether it's some substance, whether it's too much TV, whatever it is, overindulgence breeds this feeling that you are the only thing that matters. And we're going to talk about the freedom and the peace that comes over the next few weeks with understanding how that we, we keep from being an overindulgent person. Gossip desensitizes the soul. The truth is, gossip, if you're engaged in gossip in any way, if you're talking about people, or if you really love to stand in line and read that magazine that talks about a celebrity that you don't even know, so you can feel just a little bit better about yourself, it will desensitize your soul. And we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. And, and the truth is, lastly, that truth, the pursuit of truth, go in the direction that God wants for your life, the way the, way the world was created, leads to freedom. It leads to freedom. And if today you don't feel free, I don't know what maybe makes you feel a lack of freedom in your life. If today you don't feel free because of finances, you feel trapped. If today you don't feel free because of somebody in your life who is constricting you, you need to know that freedom is available to you. Freedom of heart, freedom of soul, and that peace that's in the depth of your soul that you're looking for. It's available. That's how important the sermon series is. That's how important truth is. And I want to start with this piece of scripture from John chapter 8. I love this. Um, so Jesus spends his whole life, and, and if, you're, if you're not familiar with New Life or what we do, we believe that this man, Jesus, came to earth um, and that he was actually God, that, that God sent him to say, hey, you guys need clarity. You need somebody to come to earth and tell you how I really am and who I really am and what I want from you. And Jesus came from God to earth, and he performed miracles, and he had his little thing. This is what we believe around here. But if you're having a hard time with that, if you're listening online or you're in the room today, and you're not, you don't, not sure that Jesus was from heaven, he just was a good man, you don't even have to believe that today to understand the truth and the reality of this thing. Jesus turned to a bunch of Jews who claimed to believe in him, so at this point, Jesus is being followed by all these people. Some people are following him because he's doing miracles, and it's like a free show and free lunch every now and then, and they're just following Jesus because he seems so different. And some people are following Jesus because they want to kill him, and they want to find out what's going on, and they want to try to get an angle on him. And there's a group of people called, at, at this point, that were, that were Jews who had been looking for the Messiah, what the Bible calls the Messiah. And maybe you've heard that word before. It's the Savior of the world. It's the person that they believed God was going to send. Some of them believed Jesus was that person. They believed that this man, Jesus, was the Messiah. But most of them believed that he wasn't. And they had lots of reasons that, that they had believed. They would made up all these little things that they expected to see the Messiah. And Jesus didn't fit those requirements. He didn't look like a king when he was born. He was a baby born in a stall with animals. And that didn't fit their idea of a Messiah. And as people started hanging out with him, some of people started changing their ideas about who Jesus was. And so he would begin to talk to them, and, and sometimes pretty harshly. And so John tells this story about being with Jesus and being with the Jews at the same time. And he says, then Jesus turned to the Jews who had claimed to believe in him. So these are people who had decided this is the man. And Jesus says to them, if you stick with this. Now Jesus had just finished telling people about truth. Telling people how God sees life. And he says, if, if you stick with life the way God intends for you. If you stick with this, living out what I tell you. You are truly, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourself the truth. And then look what he says. And the truth 
will free you. I'm going to let that just float out there today. Because we desperately need freedom. And you're going to hear a politician once a week for the next year quote, the truth will set you free. And they're going to think, you're, they're going to say that somebody uh, said it, or they're going to pretend they said it, but the person who said it was God. It was Jesus. It was God in the flesh who said the truth. When you look yourself in the mirror and say, i got to live differently, you think, and, and this is the, the big lie about, about the rules and about truth, you think when you look yourself in the mirror and you say, i got to live differently, that it will constrict you that you won't have fun anymore, that you'll be taking that away, or I'll be taking that away, or I'll quit doing that so then I won't get this anymore. But what it really does is it frees you. So there are many of us in this space, preacher included, who have tried and tried and tried to find peace. We have tried to find freedom in all kinds of things. And if you're old enough to have been one of the people who have tried all those, I can tell you, you're categorically getting through them, aren't you? So why not try the one that works? This is the one that works. And what I would like over the next five weeks, you don't have to do it today, I hope some of you do. Over the next five weeks, I would love for you to come with your wife, to come with your kids, to come by yourself, do whatever you need to do. Sit on these stairs between you and God and say, not anymore. I'm not looking for it in my truck. I'm not looking for peace in my beer. I'm not looking for peace in my, at my work. I am going to go towards truth once and for all. When that happens, Jesus says something snaps in you. And now, if you're not a Jesus follower, if there's a moment where you're not a religious person, a lot of people listening online who just like what they're hearing, but they're not sure they believe, you need to talk to somebody who has tried this. Call me. My phone number's on the website. Call me. I've done this in my life. I've done this in about five different ways. I'm not embarrassed to talk about it, but I'm not talking about it right here. Five or six different ways, I have looked, in my, looked at myself in the mirror and said, I am not living like that anymore. And it's, n- it's not just me um, being a good person. It's me trying everything else until I finally decided to do what my grandmama told me to do and what my mom always told me to do. And finally, I'm starting to feel the chains fall off in a few places in my life. And if you need something more than a Bible scripture today because you're not sure you believe this stuff yet, come find me and I will introduce you to people who have said, I am tired of paddling upstream. I'm tired of looking for things that aren't there. I'm tired of going to places and looking for freedom in my husband or my wife or a woman or a drink or a drug or money because it's not there. Those things were meant to be enhancements to the freedom that comes with the one who knows what direction the water flows in our life. Jesus never missed an opportunity to stand in front of a group of people and say, you're going the wrong way. In fact, he used the word repent a lot. Maybe you've heard that and it's become a religious word to you, but what it literally meant is you're walking this way and you need to walk that way. That was cool, wasn't it? Michael Jackson? I'm not going to moonwalk for you. I'll just be showing off. But the repent is, you were going this way, you need to go that way. You don't have to like your preacher today. You don't have to like the Bible. You don't even have to believe in God to know that you are going the wrong way in some areas of your life. And it's time. It's time to head towards truth. Surprised, 
What's interesting is the group of Jews that were sitting there, they were surprised. They were surprised at what Jesus said. They're like, wait, wait a minute, Jesus. And it's interesting, what surprised them is Jesus' use of slave language. The idea of freedom at that point was a, was a thing that was reserved for slaves. And there were a lot of slaves around. And the people, the Jews that were standing around were saying, hey, we're not slaves. And Jesus says, Sur- surprise, they, all these Jews kind of said together, probably one spokesman said, but we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say the truth will set you free? Jesus looks right back at him. Now, you've got to think about this. This is this like superhero Bruce Willis kind of manly moment, the rock, you know, where Jesus is standing in front of a group of people that he knows is going to kill them. He knows, he knows they're going to kill him. And he's standing in front of them, and they're mad. Would you call us slaves? And Jesus goes, yep. Yeah, you're a slave. Well, what do you mean I'm a slave? Look what Jesus says. Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly. Now, he didn't say it quite that way. That's our translation. But somehow he conveyed to them in his language that I am telling you this because I sincerely know it. And I've seen it. I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin, now remember what our definition of sin is. It's going the wrong way. God created things to go this way, and you're going the wrong way. Anyone who has chosen a life of that. Now, this isn't that little mistake. That isn't that, oops, I kind of did that thing, and I wished I hadn't have done it, and I've repented, or I'm going to try better. This is that life of sin. You know what I'm talking about. That thing you can't quit, thing you've been dealing with for 47 years, the thing you've been dealing with your whole life, sexual sins, lust. You want me to stop naming them, don't you? I'm telling you right now, Jesus spoke to that. Whatever that is in your life that you think is just between you and God, nobody knows about. Jesus looked at these Jews who were talking about slavery, and he says, this sin, your sin, your going the wrong direction has caused you to be a slave. It, 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 uh, he said, you're, uh, you're, when you choose a life of sin, um, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is, is trapped in a dead-end life, and is, in fact, a slave. Have you ever got up in the morning and thought, what day is it? Like, I'm going to get up at the same time, I'm going to brush my teeth in the same order. You have that order, I hope it's not just me, because this is going to make me look really stupid, but that order that you do your shower in, where you like shampoo, and then, and then, and then you get halfway through your shower, and you're like, did I shampoo? Like, and by the time you're done showering, you're sham- shampooed six times and you're, all your shampoo's gone because it just feels like yesterday. You just feel trapped. Like, I've got to go back to that place and do that thing for that guy I don't even like at my office who's my boss. And I've got to go do that so I can pay money to people I don't like for stuff that's all torn up anyway and my kids have destroyed. And, and then I've got to go do this again. Yeah, you came here to get happier and I just did that to you. But you know... You know exactly what I'm talking about. Jesus said that's the feeling of being trapped. And when, if you've got that feeling, it's because you're doing something against the flow of life. I love it. He looks at them, and they all got quiet just like you did. They quit talking, and he says, A slave is a transient who can't come and go at, w- at will. He's trapped. But he says, Look at me. Hey, look at me, guys. Look at Jesus for just a moment. Look at me. The Son, though, me, has established position, run of the house. Jesus says, I'm in charge 
of the way the water flows. So if the Son sets you free, you're free through and through. Now some of you have felt freedom before. I've, I've felt a Saturday morning with no responsibility, especially we got Labor Day coming up. The, the thing I love most about Labor Day is not Monday. It's Friday when I know I don't have to go to work till Tuesday. Right? <laughs> See? You got it too. What, what I love most about, about having Monday off is the Friday that I know I don't have to go back till Tuesday. And you know why that is? You know why that is? Because you, you want that freedom. You just want a moment. What would it be like if I didn't have to go to work at all? Well, I'll pretend that I don't have to go to work just for a day. And you want that moment of freedom. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. He wants to be clear. He says, I'm not talking about that moment where you go, oh, I'm free for a day. Or, hey, I'm on vacation. Because we all know in the back of our minds that Tuesday's coming. And truthfully, it's going to be worse than Monday would normally be because I've got to make up for Monday. Right? Jesus says, that's not the kind of peace I'm talking about. That's not the kind of freedom I'm talking about. He says, I'm talking about through and through kind of peace. Through and through kind of freedom. Most of us in this room have never experienced that kind of freedom. Most of us in this room have never experienced the kind of freedom that comes with choosing truth in every aspect of our life. I believe Jesus wants to save Christians. But if you're, not a, if you're not a Christian today and you're kind of kicking the tires on this thing, you need to know you may be in a little bit of an advantage because you're not desensitized to the things that we say at church that make us feel like we're doing the right thing, that make us feel like if we show up at church on Sunday and we sing the right songs, if you're visiting with us today, those songs are weird. You don't have to nod your head, but I know they are. If you're visiting with us today, singing songs with words in it that we don't use on a regular basis are weird. And what it does to Christian people, if we're not careful, is we come in and we sing them over and over, and it makes us feel like this is what it's about. It makes us feel like we've done our duty, we've done our deed, and that we can check off the list, and we feel free for a little bit until we walk out those doors. That's not the kind of freedom Jesus is talking about. He says there is a freedom available that is through and through. That in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your junk, you can still have peace. It is available, but it comes with following the flow that God has set for our lives. Man, I want grace for you. As your preacher, I'm going to stand away from here so you know I'm not reading any notes. This is straight from my heart. As your preacher and as a person who has fallen in love with you and your kids and your lives and your trucks and all that stuff, I'm in love with all of it. I love all y'all. And my initial reaction is to say, you know what, then just stop talking about how you're living. Just love you the way you are. But that's just half of it, isn't it? How much would I love you as your, your preacher? If I knew that the way to peace, if I knew that the way to actual through and through kind of freedom is available to you today, and I didn't have the guts to say, stop paddling upstream. The truth is, I'm saying that a lot today, the truth is, I'll be doing a lot of funerals this year. And the older I get, the harder they are for me. Because the people that I love the most are going, and they may be going to heaven. I had an opportunity to tell them that freedom was available. And they lived a life of hell because they didn't choose it. 
You know, the truth is you don't have to be a slave. Today, you don't have to be a slave. You can have peace in the midst of your storm. I remember about five years ago, I had a guy come in, um, not here in the church today, but I had a guy come in who, who said to me, you know, here's what I want to do. I, I want that thing. And I was, I was preaching a sermon about freedom, and he came, I want freedom. I want that. And I said, okay, let's go get it. And he said, no, I'm not ready. What do you mean you're not ready? He said, I've got to give up this. I've got to go quit this. I've got to go tell my mom that I love her. I've got to go do this, and I've got to go do this. Oh, and, and then I forgot. And he had a list. I mean, two hands full of things that he had to do before he could engage in freedom. And I, I, he, I said, dude, um, wait a minute. Go back through. What was number two again? <laughs> and I, I mean, this is like five years ago, and we started talking through it. And I said, it sounds to me like you need, you need to buy your freedom, right? Yes, you got it. You got it. I need to buy my freedom. So let me go get my freedom. Let me go, go take care of all these things. Then I'll come back and say, hey, I got great news for you. Your freedom's already been paid for. Your freedom has been paid for. Come get it. Now, he, he walked out of here that day. And um, long story short, I haven't seen him since. I missed an opportunity for him that day. But I could have said, please don't wait. This freedom is available to you right now. You don't have to be something different. You don't have to go something and do something. You don't have to make a list and check off all the things before you get it. That's a lie that the religious church has taught. It's a lie that is not God's heart for humans. What he wants is for you to come as you are and then become who he intended for you to be. You have everything you need where you sit to engage in that kind of freedom today. You don't have to be a slave. I want to give you a chance today, just between you and God, just between you and God today, and, and I gave a little time at the end of my sermon today. I'm almost done. See, it went quick today. I'm almost done, and, and I want to give you a time. I want to give you about another two minutes, and we never do this. I'm going to ask, Rick, would you guys come on up? I didn't plan on this, Rick. I should have told you, but I'm just going to ask you to vamp a little bit on this for us. Give us about two minutes of, of vamp. And what I'd love to do is just give you a chance, a couple minutes just between you and God, for you to say, just say this to God. And if you're kicking the tires on the thing, and you're not sure God is even real, just try this, okay? And if you are, and, and maybe you're sitting here today and you're going, I don't need this, I've been a Christian for, my, my guess is there is some place in your life where you still have chains on. You are still a slave. I just want you to say to God, God, make me free. I accept the freedom. One time I was preaching in a small church in, in Illinois, and man, I had no money. My wife had left me, and it was the week after, and I hadn't told very many people. I was a preacher in a small town, and at that point, there's still a lot of churches like this, but man, divorce meant you're fired. It doesn't matter whose fault it was. It doesn't matter what. And she was divorcing me. She'd met somebody on the Internet, and she left. And I hadn't told very many people. I just told some my close friends at church. And one of the elders had found out, and I knew he'd found out, and I hadn't talked about it. I didn't know if he was going to fire me. I didn't know what was going to happen. And her dad came down and took all of her stuff, all of my stuff, all of the stuff from our apartment, gone. I got home, and I wasn't, like I wasn't lonely enough and distraught enough. I opened up my door, and it was just like trash and no stuff. And I was so tired, and I hadn't slept. I walked into that bedroom, and there was no bed. 
And I just thought, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I did what a lot of people do. I had a credit card. I remember I had $322 and like 18 cents available credit. No, no money in my bank account. And I decided really irrationally, I'm going to buy a bed <laughs> right now. I need a new bed. It was symbolic. I need a new life. I'm going to buy this bed. I got $322, and even 15 years ago, that wouldn't buy you much of a bed. So I went in, and I went, to this <laughs> went up to the counter at this bed store, and I, I, I called a couple different people in town and said, which store should I go to? And they said, let me call this elder and ask him. I said, no, 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 no. I said, oh, he's been around for a long time. He knows some people in the industry. Go down to this place, and, and he'll be down there to meet you. I said, no, please don't call him. Okay, I won't call him. So I got down to this bed store they told me I should go to. And I walked in, and I started looking at a bed, and the guy said, what's your name? And I said, John Mitchell. He said, you know what, I, th I think I have something back here. He said, are you the preacher down there in Catlin? I said, yeah. He said, I I've got a pickup for you here. Like, this is the first time I've ever been in this store. He said, yeah, here it is. It was a $1,200 bed. It's worth more than my car. And it just had a note on it that said, love you no matter what, Steve. This was the elder. I went, to, went there in chains. I went there with 320 bucks in my pocket, and I realized when I got there, I could buy a box spring for that. It didn't sound very comfortable. <laughs> and I walked, I walked in with nothing, and I walked out with more than I deserved. That came to my heart this morning because... I want you to feel that today. Some of you walked in here with nothing but a lack of peace. You walked in here with anger in your marriage. You walked in here with this angst that you can't put your finger on. You can walk out today with freedom. Not because you earned it. Not because you had enough in your account to pay for it. Because it was given. So when you ask God during this time, I'm going to give you another two minutes. We, we don't do this every week. I'll we'll give you two minutes to listen to this piano music. Close your eyes today and just say this to God. I want to be free. I accept. Now, I could have at that moment said, you know what? I don't want his bed, stupid bed. That bed probably comes with rules and things that are going to... I couldn't. You guess what I did? I took that bed, I strapped it to the top of my little car, and I slept on it in the living room because I desperately needed that. Many of you tonight just need to accept right here, I want the freedom. And it comes with the truth. I'm going to give you two minutes, and I'm going to pray for you. Let's just bow your heads right now in this moment and say, God, I want that freedom.